we've titled today's message, Primary Words. Uh, our goal is to take the sting out of speaking to God. The goal is to kind of identify some, some building blocks from which everything else can come. So uh, in terms of the word primary, there are three primary colors. You've got red, blue, and yellow. And from those three colors, uh, you can create all the other colors. But you can't create those colors from any other colors. And so when we think about, when we think about what we're going to look, about, look at today in terms of how to approach God, these three kind of topics of prayer and communication... Uh, will produce lots of other things. Produce lots of what we call kingdom fruit or, or good works that results from engaging God in this manner. But doing things the other way around won't necessarily produce these things. So uh, when we approach God like we're going to talk about today, good stuff results. But good stuff doesn't always result in approaching God correctly. Um, so 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 8. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would help us grow today in understanding of your word, in understanding of your purpose and understanding how to walk in the fullness thereof. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. So it starts with thanks. Thank you. There's always something to be grateful for. Always. The breath that you have, the family you've been given, the fact that you've made it to this point, the fact that you can even say thanks is in itself a beautiful thing. Perhaps most significantly, the thing that we can be most thankful for is the fact that we can talk to him in the first place. Probably primary above everything else is that he is a king, he is a God who hears us. Who's availed himself to us, he's made himself available for us to cry out to him. He's made himself available for us to approach. And the cost of our approach was extraordinary. See, there is a time, and there is a time, and, and you may be in this place today, where because of the sin in our life, we can't even approach God because he is holy and we're not. Because we like our own plan more than his. We trust our own purposes more than his. It's scary, the thought of surrendering your life to Jesus, because you don't know what he's going to do with you if you actually surrender your life. Isn't, isn't it a little bit? Like even, even being a mature Christian and walking with Jesus for some time, there's still a little bit of, I hope I don't become one of those Christians. <laughs> that we've all got a little bit of that in our back pocket. We all kind of want to hold our cards a little bit close to our chest and, and even singing the song, there's nothing that my heart wants more than you. And, and, but, but to put our cards down on the table and for that to be a true statement is a terrifying thing. 
It's like, there's nothing that my heart wants more than you and a big old plate of nachos today after church. (laughs) There's nothing that my heart wants more than you and a big fat bonus. There's nothing that my heart wants more than you except for, you know, my husband to get right. (laughs) My, My wife to get right. Somebody else might think that. There's nothing that my heart wants more than you except for what I want. And I want what I want and I want it now. So, we, so there's this divide between where we stand and where God is. But, and, and God saw this divide and he said, I can't let this divide continue. I can't let man's rebellion, I can't let man's sin, I can't let man's fleeting lusts and fleeting thoughts stand in the way of the love that I desire for him to have. Because these other things that we want to hold on to, these other things that we grab onto, these other things that we long for and we desire are all fleeting. The car I wanted in high school is not the car I want now. The food I wanted for dinner last week is not the food I want now. Our desires change, our tastes change, but nachos remain no, <laughs> a problem for me. Our desires change. Our, it, what we wanted then isn't what we want now. Remember when all you wanted was to get married? <laughs> you can fill in the rest. Remember when all you wanted was that promotion and that job? You remember that? And everything was going to be okay? And then you got the, <laughs> you got the job. You got the bonus, and now it's not enough. We need another one. What's somebody say? <laughs> Maybe the next one. Maybe the more money. Right, but it, but it fails to, to fulfill us, and so all those things are temporary. And Jesus is like, I'm gonna even what we do to cover up our sin is temporary. It's like, I've got these passions and these desires that are far from God. And, and I'm like, okay, I can suppress this for a second. I need a plate of broccoli. Speaking metaphorically. Right? Yeah, I want to I wanna live a rebellious life, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give to an orphanage. I'm going to live this rebellious life and chase after what I want, and get what I want, how I want, when I want. So I'm going to plant a tree, save a kitten. But those things are only temporary. So Jesus is like, I'm not satisfied with all this temporary covering. What I want to do is I want to, I'm going to bridge this gap forever. And to bridge this gap forever, I'm going to die in your place because where you're going, you, the way that you're going, the path that you're on, the things that you desire, all those things are just going to lead to death. And I want you to have life. So I'll, death, I'll die the death that you're heading towards. And I'll give you life. And he ushers us from death into life with Jesus. Or with, with God, with the Father, with himself. And so because of what he did, we can approach him. And we can be thankful. Even in the hardest of times, we can be thankful to know that God is working out his ultimate good. His greatest good is being worked out even in our most painful times. There's a, uh, a, a pastor who came and spoke at Grace Covenant one time. His name is uh, Tim Say, Pastor Tim Say. And he, 
He pastors a church in Maryland. And he talked about, you got to give this side praise. And he was really charismatic, so I'm not going to be as good at it. But he's like, this side praise is the praise that you pray before God comes through on what you asked. It's where you say thank you for the thing that he hasn't done yet. It's where you say thank you because you know that his perfect will is going to be accomplished no matter what. If you get what you ask for or you don't get what you ask for. But like we talked about with the kings, sometimes we don't really even want what we ask for. There's a country song, thank God for unanswered prayers. Man, I got a couple of those. (laughs) Don't you? I remember praying this one prayer in my kitchen. I've never said it from the front. Megan knows what I'm going to say. I, I was enamored by this girl. And I, not, unfortunately, not Megan. <laughs> it's fantastic. And I was in the kitchen. And I was like, God, I want to marry her. And I was like, yeah, I don't care if you have better for me. And I remember, <laughs> I remember thinking... I'm in trouble. <laughs> but I was like, I'd already said it. And you know, sometimes when you've already said it, you might as well just commit to it. And I was like, and so there. <laughs> this is out loud. I was the only one home. And I remember being so uneasy with that prayer. But, but thank God. I mean, I was so certain that that's what I needed and so certain that that's what I wanted. And God was so certain that I was an idiot. He was so certain that it's not what I needed. He was certain that I, he knew I wanted it. At least I was honest. And, and maybe, that's the, maybe that's one of the beautiful things about this thing that we have with God. And that he's not improving around us. But instead he has this plan that he's inviting us into. Because if he was improving around me, I'd be married to somebody who, who really I, I shouldn't be married to. Seeing 20 years later. So it starts with thanks. Thank you, God, even for unanswered prayers. Worship and praise flow out of this thankfulness. It's amazing that if we take time and set it aside, or if we take advantage of a moment that that we'd otherwise just waste in traffic and being angry and listening to WTOP on cycle for three hours for no reason at all, like what changes really? Have you ever been bored with what you were looking on, at online and then typed in the URL that you were on because you were bored? Right, Stephanie and I have. I was on Facebook this week, just killing time at the, at the doctor. And um, I was like, this is boring. So I opened my Facebook app. And I was like, I've got a problem. <laughs> so... Um, even praise and worship flow out of it if we take opportunity to, to capture these moments to say thank you. Something will well up on the inside. That something is faith. Faith rises up. The Spirit of God stirs in your heart. Thank you, Jesus, that, I, that I'm even here today. Thank you that I have the opportunity to have a job that I hate. I'm not, that's not my prayer. I'm praying that for you. <laughs> I love, what, I love what I do. I really do. I, I love what I do. So, um, so thank you, God, that I have the privilege of having a, a, a difficult time in my relationship, that I have relationships to have a difficult time in. Right? You seeing it? And then eventually the negative part starts to fall off, and you're like, well, I did have a bad attitude, and it falls off. You know, the, the reason we tell our kids, you know, have a good attitude is because it's possible to change your attitude. 
It really is. So, so we're not asking our kids to do an impossible thing. We are asking them to do a hard thing. <laughs> I'll say like, fix your face. <laughs> right? And sometimes we got to fix our face. And we might have manners enough to have like polite kind of neutral look on, our, on the outside. But we got to fix the face of our soul. And nothing fixes the face of our soul like saying thank you. And taking opportunity to recognize and acknowledge the goodness of God in our life. And what's great about this is as we do this, what it does is it starts to churn in our soul. And it sets up this next part. This part where we ask. So first we start with thanks and then we ask. And now that you've said thank you to God, now that you've approached him with gratitude, now that your heart is stirred with, and you're reminded of his goodness, you're able to ask. And you're able to ask with a good attitude. And as a parent, I can tell you, that's a lot more beneficial than asking with a bad attitude. Call upon his name. Primarily, we ask for his presence which he's most pleased to give us, from which everything else will flow. More than anything else that you need, you need God. I, I, know, I know that's hard to understand. Like, it's hard to accept in a moment. It's like, no, really, what I need is a check. <laughs> well, you're just going to spend it. It's just going to be gone. But in God, we can have comfort even when the check is gone. Even, even when we have nothing, we can trust God for further provision, but that piece of paper is gone. Just like with these, these building blocks, these primary things, we need to start with God. We need to start with the gospel because the other things can't produce God. You know, in, in our lives, in our community, what, you know, in communities, Sean Clemens and I were talking about how in certain communities you see so drastically the need for schooling or you see the need for resources or health care for, for other things in a certain community. And you're like, we, we'd love to find a way to help them. But primary, even to that, is the need for the gospel. Because when you go into a community that doesn't have the need for better schools or doesn't have a need for, like I'm speaking kind of in general terms, right? Everything can be improved. But, but like when you see schools and you're like, oh, yeah, everything's okay. The kids in Loudoun County, they're fine. It's one of the best school systems in the nation. They're, they're all right. I mean, the, the median income is, is remarkably high. But then you begin to look past that a little bit and you see that you know, having newer schools and enough books and enough food for lunch doesn't actually solve the problem. No. No. Not on its own. So not bad to go meet those needs. Not bad to stir a community to, to work on these things, but, but best to bring the gospel. Best to allow the Spirit of God to change people's hearts. Best for eternal life to sweep through. Best for the fullness of life to rise up inside of people. And then the other things happen. Not on accident. But now you're empowered to see these things through so they have the maximum impact. So we call upon His name. Romans 10.13 promises, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
So call upon his name for what? His presence. Call upon his name for what? Salvation. Call upon his name for what? Life. Perspective. Hope. Joy. Call upon his name for what? Protection. Provision. Because he can offer all of these with permanence. The disciples' prayer, the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, we talked about this a little while ago, but he says, pray this way. Say, God, you're, you're, you know, kind of like starting with thanks, saying, you're holy, God. You're unlike anyone else. You reign from heaven. You're glorious. You're awesome. He's like, and then say, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's informing us what this ask should be like. You know, and ask for his perfect will to be accomplished in your life. It might not be what you want on the front end, but it's what you need. And you'll want it on the back end. I'm thankful even for the things my parents didn't give me. Because I see the fruit of that later on. I'm like, man, that was a really good decision that I hated. (laughs) Right? So it is with God too. Wow, God, that was a really good decision that I hated. When you said no to that request. The primary obstacle to trusting him, I think the primary obstacle to asking him is that we don't actually always believe that he wants good things for us. Disappointment or discontentment drowns out or casts shade on hope or expectation or faith for all sorts of different reasons, right? You asked and it didn't happen, so you're disappointed. You asked again, it didn't happen, and there's, there's frustration. Maybe you asked for this and you got this, and it's like, I, God is clearly not listening to my order. <laughs> I'm asking for good things, God, and you're giving me bad things. I asked, I asked for this and you gave me something else. What, what gives? We forget or we don't believe that he's good and that he has our highest good in mind. So I want to encourage you today, if you've grown heart sick because God hasn't met your expectations or or he's given you something instead of the thing that you've desired the most, I want to encourage you that he does have your greatest good in mind. The proof of that is what he did for us on the cross. We've always got the cross to look at. We've always got the promise of the seal of the Holy Spirit. He didn't just die on the cross and be like, well, I'm done. See you when you die. But he died on the cross and he sent his Holy Spirit to be with us. So he gave a down payment of his whole life. And then he continues to provide the Holy Spirit to us as evidence or, or, or as as confirmation that he really does love us that much. He really desires good for us that much. To me, that's pretty encouraging. And so if you ever doubt the goodness of God or the provision of God or, or whether or not he actually cares for you in a, in a hard season, I point you to the cross where he made it plain for all to see. And then I, I kind of got ahead of myself, but 
regardless of whether he answers your prayer or if he does something entirely different, we need to tell someone. David says, make known his deeds among the people. There are two groups of people that we need to tell about or tell to what God is about. That's his people. That's the church. That's to us. That's to one another. Let me tell you what God did. Let me, let, you know, and sometimes if he did something different than we expect, we've, we've always got the cross. There's this uh, gentleman in, at our church in Chantilly, and every time I say him, I'm like, man, what's the word from God? What's the word for today? Give me something living. Give me something fresh. And, and every single time he goes, Jesus is on the right hand of the Father. Or he'll say, Jesus is risen. Or something just to say, hey, look, Jesus is alive, brother. And I'm like, that's all I need for today. Right? You know, and, and people have overheard the conversation and they're baited. And, the, and it's like, oh, what's this new thing that's going to be said? I, I don't need a new thing. I just got to be reminded of the old thing. And as not, it's not old. It's new. It's active. It's today. He's alive. That's great news for somebody who was killed. That's great news for somebody who's, who, when somebody's promised that they're going to do a thing, when somebody's promised that they're going to give you eternal life and then they go and die, that's probably not a very good indicator of them coming through on their promise. It's like me saying, I'm going to make you a millionaire. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to have a lot of hope for that, Anthony, because I don't have any clue how to get a million dollars. Not legally. Right? But so he made this promise to give us eternal life. He gave us this promise that we'd live forever. He gave us this promise and then he went and died. And, and the fact that he's risen from the dead is proof that he can do what he said he would do. So sometimes, you know, if nothing else, we've got the cross. If nothing else, we've got the resurrection. But when God does come through and he does something extraordinary, talk about it. You know, sometimes we don't talk about it because we don't realize that he did it. Because it was gradual and we thought that we did it. I, I talked about it before. My wife and I had this nut to crack from the IRS. We basically messed up our taxes for about seven years. And then I caught it because I had to check a different box. And I was like, I've never had to check that box before. But my employment status shifted. And, and it was like, oh, no. I've never clicked that box. And I saw what it did. It, it, it made us oh. And I was like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. I haven't clicked that box the last seven years. That means we owe about seven years. And it would be, and we had to make some really hard decisions, eat a lot of rice and beans, and and God provided for us supernaturally. We ate rice and beans, and God provided for us supernaturally. And it took a number of years to walk out of this debt that we told on ourselves about. Because I wanted to be able to stand up here with integrity. So we tell, we we told on ourselves and we had to walk out of it and it'd be really easy to say, baby, look what we did. Paying off our debt and not tell anybody how amazing God's provision was through that season. It came to us through gifts from people that didn't know. It came to us through gifts and through other people's promotions. Yeah. 
my employment status didn't change, but other people's did. And this isn't while I was like on stage as a pastor and like, oh, we got this debt. If anybody has a little promotion coming, <laughs> I just want to let you know I've been praying for you and your promotion's my promotion, baby. You know, <laughs> I put in a word for him, you know, <laughs> not how that worked, not how that worked. But because it happened gradually, it's easy to not recognize that it was a supernatural thing that God did. And we might accidentally take credit for it or give complete credit to someone else for it and not see that, look what God did. In Mark chapter 11, I think it's verses 20 through 24, Jesus says, he's talking to the disciples, he had cursed the fig tree. They were blown away. The disciples were. They were like, he killed a tree with his words. That'd be kind of intimidating. We don't like that Jesus very much. <laughs> like the one that cursed a tree, they're like, he killed that with words. But uh, as they passed by, they saw that this tree that he had cursed the day before had withered away all the way to its roots. And Peter remembered and said, Rabbi, look, the, the fig tree that you cursed is withered. And Jesus said, have faith in God. Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, be, uh, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. The second group of people that we need to talk to is, is those who aren't in the church. And I don't just mean Grace Covenant Church. I mean those who don't have a saving relationship with Jesus. Those who haven't surrendered their life to Christ. In the book of Romans... Chapter 10, verse 4, Paul says this. He says, how will people call on him who, have, who they have not, oh, I'm sorry. How can they call on in him whom they have not believed? How can they believe in him if they've never heard of him? And how can they hear without someone preaching? You know, it didn't say if they, don't, if they come to church. How are they going to know if they don't come to church? It's, somebody's got to preach. Somebody's got to tell them. Someone's got to go out and talk about what God has done. You get to go tell them what God has done. And invite them into this relationship with Jesus. Let me tell you what God has done. And maybe you don't go to the cross. Maybe you don't stand up and say, so uh, you're over here, you're dying and dead, and God's over here and he's got life, and Jesus is going to stand in the middle and, and do the whole dog and pony show whole thing. But you can't say, I was sick and God healed me. Tell me how you got where you were. God did a miracle in my life. How did, how did your marriage overcome these struggles that you were up against? God did a miracle. In our marriage, and as we pursued him, he brought healing and he brought trust and he brought wholeness. He brought life. You with me? You don't have to be able to preach a sermon. You don't need to know Greek and Hebrew to talk to your neighbor that God to tell your neighbor that God's done something extraordinary. 
In fact, it's probably more helpful if you don't use Greek and Hebrew. <laughs> Unless your neighbor speaks ancient Greek and he, ancient Hebrew, which they don't. <laughs> right? When was the last time that knowing the Greek word helped you out of a pit? I, I can't think of a, of a counseling appointment where somebody's like hope was hinged on proper breakdown of a Greek verb. Well, you see what our problem is. <laughs> it's in the passive tense. <laughs> the imperfect something tense. <laughs> I don't know Greek. <laughs> For most of us, we just need to be reminded of the basic things. And hearing that God has answered your prayer may be all that your neighbor needs to know that God is alive and well and God can do something in their life. I know that when I, when I share it with people, it, it's like, hey, God, God's done this thing in my life. I'm sure there's a little bit like, well, if you can do it for David. <laughs> you know, it's, it's great when they don't just assume that God does things because I'm a pastor. If somebody doesn't know me as a pastor... You're like, everybody expects the pastor's prayers to be answered for some reason. But it doesn't say, you know, ask if you're a pastor and I'll move the mountain. It doesn't ask if you're, if you're a paid minister of the gospel that, that, that I'll do it. The promise is that if you pray, it'll be moved. In the end, in all of this, Um, Keith Temple, one of the elders here at Grace, helped me with this. He said, in our lives, we perform for the many, but we live to please the one. In our prayer, in our approach to God, in our primary words, see, talking to God in these ways, being thankful and asking him and going and telling people isn't a recipe for pleasing men. It's a rest, it's a, it's a, it's not even, the structure isn't even so much pleasing to God. It's that we're activating our faith and we're, we're walking in relationship with God that's pleasing to him. It's that our faith is stirred and our hope is stirred and it's in him. That's what's pleasing to him. If we live, if we live to please everybody else around us, it's going to be a stressful life. So we live to please the one by giving thanks, by asking and by telling the world who he is and what he's done. Sharing the good news and inviting people to come along. God sees that and he's blessed and he's pleased. And from that he blesses. Blesses.